0: It's the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day.
1: It's Crossover Thursday. A little bit of a different Crossover Thursday, but about to be joined by Locked On Seminoles, and we're going to preview this game against Florida Florida State Seminoles here on Locked On Gators.
0: You are Locked On Gators, your daily podcast on the Florida Gators.
1: Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
0: Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. Welcome back to another edition of Locked On Seminoles. What's up, everybody? It's your boy Drake here. And unfortunately, while Dave can't be here, we have Mr. Brandon Olsen from Lockdown Gators. Brandon, what's going on, my guys? Finally, great to meet you for you know in person for one of the biggest rivalries in all sports.
1: Yeah, um, I'm excited. I am cautiously excited about the game. I'll, I'll say that.
0: Okay, that's a good way to put it, in, folks. As always, today's episode is brought to you by our friends over at LinkedIn. LinkedIn Jobs right now is helping you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster than ever before. Post your job for the free at LinkedIn.com slash us That's LinkedIn.com slash LockedOnCollege to post your job for free. And as always, terms and conditions do apply. Brandon, Florida. If Let's start, basically, I want to go back to last year and kind of what you went through and also talking about Mr. Dopey Dan, or as you know, we call him here, Mr. Dan Mullen. He started off kind of hot, 10-3, year one, 11-2 in year two, you know, wins in both the Peach Bowl and the Orange Bowl. Everything looks prime and dandy. Twenty twenty eight and four, kind of a letdown with that blowout loss to Oklahoma in the Cotton Bowl. So then five and six last year. I just, couldn't, I mean, there's no better way to ask this. But what exactly was the reason behind this sort of downfall? Was it all just recruiting, or was there a little more, I guess, nuanced kind of take to this?
1: Uh, it was. It was everything piling up. It was the recruiting question where it was like, Hey, asking about recruiting is like, Hey, we'll talk about recruiting and recruiting season, which I will say in his defense, I do think that was wildly overblown. I think it's pretty clear that he was saying like, we're in season. We're not going to talk about recruiting right now. Um, but it came off really bad for a guy who was already given the reputation of he's not a good loser. I mean, he is a loser, but he's not a good loser. He's he doesn't have a great reputation with media. He doesn't know how to handle negativity often. And it was a season where, you know, your, your team's not performing on the field. You and your staff are not performing off the field as far as recruiting goes. And people were a bit frustrated with him. And, and it was the recruiting question. It was the on-field product. Again, I know that the locker room was pretty pissed with him, uh, I, I was told before 2021 that the players, for the most part, wanted Anthony Richardson starting. They wanted Anthony Richardson. They thought he gave him the best chance to win. The coaches, Dan Mullen specifically, committed to Emery Jones and ultimately cost him his job.
0: Okay, it actually kind of goes to where I have a few friends of mine that actually were around the program actually for the last season before heading off because Dan Mullen was longer there. they kind of hear the same things where – I know Dan Mullen's very very I guess he likes the rewards and seniority of people that have been there for a very long time but when you have someone as talented as Anthony Richardson and we'll talk about him more a little bit later in today's show that does show the divide especially when we see Emory Jones struggling the way he did last season.
1: Yeah, uh, it, it was rough and look, I, I get having a sentimental connection for Dan Mullen to Emory Jones because Emory was initially committed to, I believe it was Ohio state. And then Dan Mullen took the Florida job and Emory Jones texted him and he was like, I want to be your QB coach. So I understand feeling that kind of sentiment if you're Dan Mullen, but there comes a certain point where you have to play the quarterback that gives you a better chance to win. I don't even want to say better because I mean, we've seen how inconsistent Anthony Richardson has been this year. Last mm-hmm. year, he would have been even worse last year. He was worse and he, in limited time. Um, which Gators fans, I know, I'm so sorry. I know you were mad at me last year when I said it. I'm saying it again now. Uh, he was wildly inconsistent and he kind of proved that consistently. And yeah, it, it just was a complete divide and a, a not even just divide, a disconnect from what players thought and what coaches thought.
0: So then now let's look, you know, go away from looking at the past. We're not Miami fans here. Let's look towards the present right now, this current season. Um, what was F was Florida's actually expeditions for this year. And also for, I mean, Dave actually just texted me the question you wanted to ask you, unfortunately can't be here. Do you feel that this team overall is coordinated and better coast under Billy Napier?
1: Exponentially. Uh, yeah, I think that the team is just so much better put together where, Outside of the Vanderbilt game, this was a team where week after week looked like it was improving, sorry, outside of the Vanderbilt and Utah game. You know, it start, you started off at your peak and then you kind of fell back to earth here where people thought, you know, Gators fans, realistic Gators fans, saw this as a six to eight win season. Right now you've got the six wins, you're bowl eligible, and Billy Napier even said earlier on, he was like, the importance of getting bowl eligible is not about the bowl game. It's about getting those 15 extra practices. So you got that. And yeah, this is a team where they consistently showed improvement. There were not nearly as many penalty issues as there were last year under Dan Mullen. And a lot of the guys that did commit penalties still were Dan Mullen guys or are Dan Mullen guys. Um, but this is a team that I feel like you can't look at this program and say it's worse than it was last year, regardless of, Talent or anything, just coaching-wise, this is easily a better team. They made adjustments early on in the season. The cover three heavy was not working out too much. They switched to more man, more uh, quarters coverage, and it really helped this team improve. So I think that you got to look at this team and say they've shown consistent improvement. They've shown a willingness to adjust and a willingness to learn from their mistakes, and you have to give them credit for that and just say, you know, that, that's a positive at the very least.
0: Okay, then. So then, I want to ask you this because I already have a few. I got some family, fa- family friends of mine, and family as well that actually did go to Florida. They weren't super high on the Bill Napier hire. Before we go over to X's and O's, offensive, defensively, the year's team, I want to ask you your opinion. When the hire happened, was this someone that you actually basically were to get behind, and when you actually got, took the job, or were you kind of you know big game hunting for, say maybe a Brian Kelly, or maybe even poaching someone else actually that was actually over in the coaching pool
1: no I I will say Billy Napier was not high on the list for me of people that I wanted to bring over. I had I will I'll say this too when Dan Mullen got fired, I was excited because I was like, I am going to have weeks of episodes where I just get to talk about all these guys and I had it planned out for like three weeks and then they hired Billy Napier like a week and a half after they got rid of Dan Mullen and I was like, oh, Thanks for screwing that up. But uh, no, Billy Napier is someone that I do like primarily because he's very detail-oriented and process-oriented, and I'm the same way where I'm like, if the result isn't exactly what you were hoping for, I'm okay with it as long as you think the process was the right way to get there, and I'm okay with that. Someone who's putting an extra emphasis on recruiting. He showed up, and he was very honest, too. He was just like, there's a lot of work that needs to be done here. He was like, this is going to be not a one-year thing this is going to take a while to build this program back up to the Gator standard that they have developed and that they, that they want to hold this team up to where realistically most of the past decade, they haven't lived up to that.
0: Well, hopefully the gear standing, you know, is helped out by basically the 950,000 people that uh, Bill and April actually hired to go around the program. Florida Gators
1: are nine and a half point underdogs against the Florida State Seminoles this Friday. Depth chart is out now. I realize later in the episode we talk about how we don't know the depth chart um, because we recorded the depth chart episode Tuesday. This is coming. I'm recording this now Wednesday after the game, but... Yeah, Florida, Florida Gators, uh, I am taking Florida State to cover the spread now because we have the depth chart. There are a lot of injuries. It is really going to suck, but hopefully you can make some money. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn all about the trends and action. Check out that online. It's where the game starts. It's Kubota Orange Day. Shop the years best selection of Kubota tractors, zero-turn mowers, and utility vehicles, including the number one selling compact tractor in the USA, and now through June 30, get 0% APR for 84 months or up to $3,300 off select compact tractors. See the details at KubotaOrangedays.com. Your family, your land, and your livestock deserve equipment they can count on. So find your local dealer today. That's KubotaOrangedays.com. All
0: right, we're back here with Brand right now. And now we're going over to the X's and O's, the more fun part of the show. And one thing I got to ask you, Anthony Richardson. You were one of the few people on the UF beat that was very, I don't want to say hard on him, because I think it was more, it comes from a constructive criticism standpoint, even though there are some times where you're like saying, What was it you said that he was, he could not hit the bright side of a barn? I think you said one of your shows. Um, I said he couldn't hit
1: the side of a barn if he was throwing the side of a barn.
0: Ah, so that's pretty obvious. So over the course of the year, it feels like there's a Dr. Jekyll, Mr. High kind of thing with Anthony Richardson. And also feels like it seems that his home stats and away stats, the splits, are just completely different. Is there something that you're seeing in his game that shows his limitations or is there something that basically for state, the defense overall needs to look out for coming this, this matchup on Friday.
1: I feel like it's a combination of him getting in his own head and him just being a generally inconsistent quarterback where I, I've said this since last year. I'm like, look, like Anthony Richardson physically one of the most impressive human beings on the planet. People, his size don't move the way he moves. And if they do, they're usually playing D-end or tight end. They're not playing quarterback because they can't throw the way he does. But he's openly said that he gets in his own head at home. He's like, there's 90,000 Gators fans there expecting me to be great. It gets in my head, which terrifies me, by the way. Um, that, that is the scariest thing your quarterback can ever say, where he's like, yeah, I don't like playing at the place I'm supposed to be better did, did, at. Did
0: you hear what happened Daiso said about Miami? He says he looks forward to away games because it feels like more of a home atmosphere.
1: Yeah, yeah it, it's it's wild. It, it's wild. But Anthony Richardson is just like, hey, I, I love being hated. Which, I, I mean, I feel like there's plenty of Gators fans that have booed him. Um, but he's he's better on the road for some reason. You know, we're not going to say he was good at Vanderbilt on the road. That was just one of the worst showings I've ever seen. But Tennessee, he played one of the better games, and it was. On the road in a packed Neyland Stadium, like it was, it was insane to see. But that terrifies me. And he's just a naturally inconsistent quarterback that gets in his own head, and it shows. To the Vanderbilt game infuriated me because for weeks he looked more confident than we've ever seen him, and then the Vanderbilt game, Dejon Reynolds, number eight wide receiver, you'll see him, Knowles fans, he dropped a touchdown pass on second down. Anthony Richardson turns around crouches and is holding his hands between his legs and he's looking straight down. You can't do that. At least from my perspective, you can't do that. If you're the starting quarterback, you have to be the leader. You can't just turn around and crouch and slouch and, you know, fourth down the same guy caught the touchdown pass, but it, it was just the body language at certain times. is just horrible.
0: So you think it's primarily a mental thing we you're telling me right now.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Wow, okay, so then overall, so I mean, we know that Anthony Richardson is probably one of the more talented kids out there. That was someone in high school I saw when Dan Mullen landed, and I'm like, that's kid's going to be a problem. Because you're, you're saying the size, the talent, it's all there. He just needs to be able to put it together. And quite frankly, if Dan Mullen wasn't able to bring it out of him, it's going to be hard to find someone that actually could. So then now let's look over to the other weapons on the offense. Damian Pierce, who I think FSU fans do you remember the great touchdown he had last year where he basically lost his helmet, still scored. Really great play hate it had to be us, but it still was a very, very damn good play. But now you bring in tra- Travis Etienne's you know, younger brother, Trevor Etienne, and I also I think Montreal Johnson, the University of Louisiana Lafayette transfer, that actually Bill Napier did one of the smarter things that I thought he could do was bring over people that were already in the system coming in now. So could you tell us more about those options Is also your wide receiver options? Because from my understanding, your wide receiver options are mainly Jawan Johnson, like you were saying, Ricky Pearsall, and I forgot the kid's name, Justin Shorter.
1: Yeah. Uh, yeah. So Justin Shorter is going to be Ricky Pearsall, as far as we know, uh, obviously holiday, we're recording this before Wednesday night, which I know Florida State already put their depth chart out. Florida puts theirs out Wednesday night. So at the time of recording this, we don't know if Ricky Pearsall is going to be playing. Um, so we'll see. But if Ricky Pearsall is play, he's the most talented receiver in this room. I get it. I love Justin Shorter, Gators fans. You love Xavier Henderson, who is also up in the air, but Ricky Pearsall is the best receiver on that team. Dejon Reynolds is bright. Marcus Burke is very fast. Um, but at running back, you got your Thunder and Lightning. And Montreal Johnson and Trevor Etienne, they're two of the more uh, explosive running backs in the nation. And I love seeing that. Montrell Johnson just has a physical, physical style. Like He's the type where he's mm-hmm. obviously not as Damian Pierce-esque, but he is the type mm-hmm. where it's like, well – I'm just going to run into you until you are scared of making contact there, which um, I don't know if anybody's played football. I had a dude like that where I was like, I don't want to get hit by him anymore. Um, so that happens. But yeah, Montreal Johnson's that that thunder to Trevor Etienne's lightning. And you're going to see Montreal Johnson probably get somewhere in the 15 to 20 carry range, I think, on Friday.
0: Okay. And then before we talk over the defense side of the ball over after the ad break, Tell me about Osiris Torrance, because basically I think the big matchup for this game is going to be Fabian Lovett, defensive tackle Robert Cooper, Florida State, and then Osiris Torrance in the interior, who I think a lot of people are projecting him as a potential high second, even, in, you know, breaking his way into the first round. So tell me a little bit about the uh Garry's offensive line.
1: Yeah, uh, Osiris Torrance is a monster. There is, <laughs> there is no a- other way to put that you. one. Yeah, he, he is a freak. Um He was obviously with. Billy Napier at Louisiana and like you mentioned what Billy Napier did which was very smart was he brought over a couple of the top players that were in the system they know what they're doing that's Osiris Torrance he's played four years without allowing a sack it's incredible he is one of the bigger maulers in the ground game and I am going to miss him so much but he's going to be in the NFL and he will be yeah a, a high second or late first which I don't know if you're a draft fan out there, but for a guard, that's pretty dang good. Um, but yeah, Osiris Horne is a freak. We got three tackles that play relatively consistently in Richard Garage, Michael Tarquin, and Austin Barber. Personally, Austin Barber is my favorite one at right tackle. Kingsley Aguakian at center. Ton of, ton of penalties, and, and that is going to be killer. Over the past two seasons, he is the most penalized offensive lineman in Power 5 football.
0: So Jared versus what me might have actually a field day along, along your offensive line
1: yeah which really sucks also because uh i i really wanted jared verse to come to gainesville but
0: no. yeah but unfortunately we have him and y'all don't thank god for that but folks all state wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere especially during march your eyes are on the road but the driver in front of you has both eyes on their bracket their sudden braking puts you in a 16 car pileup that's anything but sweet and if you don't have the right auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this is worse than a busted bracket. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Based on coverage selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability, savings vary. All right, Brandon, we're towards the end of the show, but let's talk about the defensive side of the ball. Before I want to go into the bigger thing, I do know Ventro Miller, as I th- pronounce his name, Yep. He actually, he had the targeting uh, call actually against Vanderbilt. Do we know if that it's been appealed yet, or do we know that still gets you picking a place? Will he miss the first half against Florida State?
1: I don't believe Florida is even appealing it. Um, I, I think they watched. I, I personally, I think it was an acceptable targeting call. Um, I I don't necessarily be like, oh, that was egregious, but I think it was just one of those situations where his head's ducking, the ball carrier's head's ducking, and they collided. So by rule? It's targeting. I'm more on the side that targeting being an ejection and suspension is stupid.
0: Yeah, I think targeting should be, in my personal opinion, it should be a warning. 15 yards, you get two. It's kind of like a yellow card in soccer, you know, red card for all your War Cup fans out there. Also, the same thing in hockey with a with misconduct. But hey, listen, we're not the NCAA and also ACC. And SC officials typically have more job security than most people. I will never understand it. But <laughs> defensively, Florida has been something that has left a lot to be desired overall. I can see all of my mentions, all of my timeline too, that defensively, hasn't taken a leap from I guess what's the uh, coordinator's name from last year? His name is escaping me. Grantham. From last
1: year it was Todd Grantham.
0: Yeah, and I know I know now the current defense coordinator is Patrick Tony. Has the defense actually taken enough of a leap, or is that still kind of you ironing out the kinks? I do know you lost Branton Cox to the portal. I know D1 Block actually was um uh, he was dismissed. So overall, like defensively, what is up with this floor, this uh, floor defense?
1: Uh yeah, it, it's been really fun to watch. Where for the first half of the season. Uh, statistically Florida had one of the worst third down defenses in the country played a lot of cover three and it wasn't really working. They started shifting to cover one, cover zero quarters. They, they started just doing a whole bunch of different stuff. And it's like, Oh my God, when you switch it up, things work more. Um, so I think that things have changed. Amari Bernie, who's like, like 35, he's stepped up a ton recently. And, and I mean, throughout the whole season, he's played the best ball of his career, but he's stepped up a ton. It's been, a gradual, gradual improvement, and finally looked like it was kicking up with you know six straight scoreless quarters against the second half of Texas A&M. The entire game of South Carolina, where their only score was a fake punt, which is still, I hate Shane Beamer for that. Um, but I mean, this is a defense where it's been up and down. They're still trying to figure things out now, this late in the season. But I, I'll say I'm, I'm optimistic with them.
0: Okay, okay. Now, folks, I'll correct myself who Brendan Cox actually forgot. He actually was dismissed from the team. He will be actually heading into the NFL draft, so sorry about that, folks. So then defensively, what is a player that we don't hear much about, actually probably in the national landscape, that FSU fans will probably be acquainted with coming this, this Friday? Oh, no, Gervon Dexter. Everyone knows Gervon Dexter. Oh, I'm yeah, getting, no, 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 yeah.
1: no, You're not getting Dex. You're not getting Jason Marshall. You're getting Prince Lee Uman Um, That man, right, right on the edge, he is going to be He's he's picked it up a ton this season. Like last season, it was he wasn't playing a ton, but while he was playing, he was being very productive on a per snap basis. This year, he came alive. Like he has just become a freak, especially since Brenton Cox Jr. got uh, dismissed for you know, um, Brenton Cox Jr. got dismissed. Prince Leoman Mielin took his spot and just became a monster. He started talking trash on social media. He's he's a different man now, and it's awesome to see because he's really just stepped up and thrived. And I had a I have a friend that works with the NFL draft and he's like, hey, like is Princely coming to the draft? He's the best player on that defense. Um I don't know the answer for you. I'm I'm not on that staff, but Prince Lee Uman Mialen is someone that you're never going to be able to pronounce his name, but you're going to wish you could because you're going to be hearing it a lot.
0: I about to say because I'm glad you said that because I have him right here. as a number one player to look out for, as well as my you know my fellow tribunal thickness member, Mr. Desmond Watson. That kid actually probably has. it's a very relentless motor. That's a really fun kid to watch. So, last question before we do predictions, Jordan Travis. You've seen the kid. I saw a tweet that you have from the game last year that you basically we're not worried, but he's someone to look out for heading into the season. You've seen the progression he's been from a pocket passer. Hasn't used his legs as much as about a lot of FSU fans would think of. How is this a Florida defense going to be able to, I guess, combat him? And also, what does Mike Norvell and Alex Atkins need to scheme up to take advantage of this Florida defense?
1: Yeah, um, I will say I do like Jordan Travis. As much as I hate admitting it, I do like Jordan Travis. I even know the tweet that you're referring to last year is me saying, like, I think I said that he we could be talking about him in the Heisman conversation if he just yep. takes a couple more steps. Because um, I do think he's a very talented quarterback, which I hate admitting again. But, yeah, no, he, he's, he's great. Um, I think that... Florida's done a good job of keeping quarterbacks in the pocket for the most part this season. So it's good that he's developed specifically as a passer this season. Um, Cause yeah, this season Florida has been great defensively keeping guys in the pocket, which is something that we're not used to, but Jordan Travis has taken strides receivers have stepped up. I think it's going to be about attacking the middle of the field, which has been Florida's weakness for most of the season tight ends have feasted slot receivers have had a quite bit of fun there. And I think that's going to be the same thing. I think every game you look at with Florida, you just go get it to your tight ends, get it to your slot receivers, get it to your running backs over the middle, and you're going to have easy conversions.
0: So what you're telling me is I you need to put Micah Pittman and Johnny Wilson in the slot. So basically just go over the middle all day.
1: Yeah, pretty much just go big
0: slot. <laughs> okay. You know, I love me some big slots, but Brandon, it's always great to have you on here. Please, please give us your prediction for this game. I know, you're probably going to pick Florida to win because basically you're on here. You're the villain. We love to hear it all. So please, what does Florida need to do to win this game and what do you have the final score being?
1: I think Florida just has to force a couple of turnovers, which they've been great at. They force turnovers in, if I'm not mistaken, every game this season. Um, so th- they've been great at that. I think that you got to keep that going. I will say Anthony Richardson on the road is always, <laughs> is always the better Anthony Richardson that you're going to get. I think f- I was gonna give you Florida State, but you know what? I- I'll say I think Florida wins this game, twenty-eight twenty-four. I think it'll be close no matter what, but I- I'll 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 have to go with the home or this. I can't fully say the other way around, so I'll say I'll say Florida twenty-eight
0: twenty-four. And folks, we will be having the walkthrough this week, but I'll tell you right now, since Brandon is here, I have Florida State probably forty-five. Uh, Anthony Richardson probably one touchdown from himself, maybe so forty-five to probably thirteen, because that's going to be a very you're gonna probably see a lot more. Of what's uh John Kitten's son probably playing a little more in this game. I don't know if Jack Miller is healthy. You might see him too, because it's gonna be a it's gonna be an interesting game. But Brandon, thank you so much for coming on. Please let the folks know one, where they can follow you, two, subscribe to your work. And three, what's your favorite Thanksgiving dinner meal or portion of the meal, whether it be the entree, whether it be the side, let the folks know a little more about you.
1: I will say you can follow me on Twitter at WNS underscore Brandon. Uh, you can find all my work every day with On Gators and written work is with Giants Country of SI.com if you're a New York Giants fan. Um, and, you know, I've always been a big stuffing guy. I realize I, I, I think a lot of people hate on stuffing. I've always been a big stuffing guy. Uh, so I will say that is my favorite portion.
0: Well, as you can tell by my figure and folks who've seen on YouTube, I'm a big stuffing guy as well. But. Thank you so much for all for the love and support. Make it locked lockdown Seminole's your first listen each and every single day, and make lockdown gauge your second listen because trust me, it is rival week, it is hate week as always, Florida, and we'll see you all next time on Locked On Seminole's. Take care, everybody.
1: Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast
0: ad free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.